Uh, very quickly, um, the top of room now has a stack. So if you have toppers, if you want to go down there, or if you need a topper to go down there, it is now stacked. Thank you again for coming out in this pleasant morning and worshiping God with us and joining us today. And we really appreciate your time and uh, He's out here and he's ministering to us and speaking to us. Let's pray and we'll get right into the God, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. We ask once again that you would um, make the Word of God come alive to us into our hearts, that you would illuminate the Word to us, that you would illuminate Jesus to us, the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. You came, God. You came down into our reality. You stepped into our world because you love us. You made a way for us. Lord, I pray again that you would uh, just come today. That, Lord, uh, you would equip us. Lord, as we have been talking about suffering today, how we walk with others through suffering. Lord, that you would equip us. You would give us your spirit. You would give us your heart, your compassion for others in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's a final sermon. I hope this has been a, a blessing to you. Um, this final sermon on our series of suffering. Next week, I want to just give a little plug and encourage you to invite folks out. We're going to be starting a new series called New. It's a new series called New. Um, it's based on 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 17. Verse 17 is from the it's a passage that we're, a lot of us are familiar with. You've probably heard it. It says, Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, a new creation. The old life has gone and a new life has begun. And I've just been meditating on this for some time. And, um, and I just I, I want us to believe God for... Uh, Charlie, I'm going to switch over. My shirt is kind of like pulling on this. Uh, is Charlie gone? He'll be back in just a minute. Let me see if this other mic is on. Test one. Check one. This one, yeah, thanks. I'm good. Hello? Okay. That's what happens when you wear your shirt on top. And the natural response is what's up your shirt. I'm comfortable now. Um. I've been meditating on this and, uh, and just asking God for um, for souls. I mean, we, we are the church of the Lord Jesus, and we exist to be on mission with Him to see lives transformed by the power of the gospel. That old lives become new lives, and not just uh, salvation, but you know, just to, that we would believe, or we would have uh, incredibly big faith to believe that God can. Take what was old and make new. We're going to be one of the parts we're going to be talking about is how to have a new marriage, same spouse, new marriage, but new life. But when we belong to Christ, that we can believe Him for the newness of life. And, and uh, I think sometimes we get in a rut and we get uh, into you know just the same old, same old thinking that you know this can't change or this problem that I've had for many years, this situation can't change. I believe that the Lord wants to give us bold faith to believe for something new. 
Amen. So to do commercial, invite people out. Um, I encourage you to do that. But I'm uh, very excited about that. And so um, we've been looking at this topic of, of suffering from a biblical perspective, um, from, from the lens of Scripture, from the lens of the heart of God. And, uh, and we're going to finish up today in walking with others through suffering. Week one, we did look at the reality of suffering. Um, Jesus said this, this is the, the next slide, um, and this is kind of a key passage that we've been uh, kind of building off of is Jesus saying, before his crucifixion in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He promised that in this life that we would have struggles, we would have trials, we would have pain. And, 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 and the good news is that he did not leave us alone in this. And so week one, we talked about the reality. Week two, we talked about the causes of suffering, the cause of the ultimate cause of suffering is that we live in a fallen broken world that is longing to be made right, and when Christ returns, He will make things right again, but the great cause of suffering is that we live in a fallen, broken world. Week 3 was is probably the most instrumental message in this whole series, is God's response to suffering. What did He do about it? He didn't leave us to our own devices. He sent Christ. Jesus stepped into our reality for our pain and suffering. So he died for our sins on the cross, but in the midst of all that, he bore every bit of suffering, any pain that we would ever face, he bore it. So that he would know us and he stepped into our reality and he answers the questions of suffering. God, where are you? Why don't you do something? And his answer from the cross is, I did do something. I was here and, and I did step into it and I bore it. For you, and now he walks with us through it. Before we look at our response to suffering, because of what he did, we can trust him. And then our response to suffering is that we trust. And last week we talked about redemption in suffering and how God redeems our suffering for His glory. That when we belong to Christ, as Sue gave us that passage from Jeremiah, nothing is wasted, nothing is random, nothing is chaotic when our lives are in Christ. Even sometimes when it feels like things are random and chaotic, that he's working, and that he's revealing himself through us to the world, and, uh, and, and, and his life and his work through us. So today we want to talk about walking with others through suffering. As people who belong to Jesus, we are called to walk with and minister to others, Right? And in their suffering, and that there's no, there's no difference. That we, yes, we minister. We're called to make the most of every opportunity that we've been given. The life that we live, that we are stewards of the life that God has given us. But in the midst of ministering, He has also called us to minister to people in their suffering and through their suffering. And so, how do we do it? What do we say? What do we do if there is anything to say or do? How can we be most effective? And those are good questions to ask. And today we're going to unpack that a little bit. Because as we all know, there are right ways and there are wrong ways to walk with people through suffering. And so we're going to look at some ways today to assist us, to hopefully equip us and be helpful, being a blessing, being a minister, ultimately to be like Christ and point them to Him as we come alongside them toward Jesus. And so when we minister and come alongside someone who is suffering, 
here's a great reminder that this is the ministry of Jesus first and foremost, right? When Jesus walked the earth, he was filled with compassion for people. When he would see, one time he looked among the crowd and he said he had compassion on them because he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he was drawn to people and he had a compassionate heart. Um, when he would minister to people, when he would touch people, it was out of his compassion. And so when we talk about walking with people through suffering, first and foremost, this is his ministry. He has heart for people. God loves people. Jesus loves people. He loves and cares for people way more than we do. And again, Isaiah 53 tells us that He bore all of our pain and our suffering. And a part of that is because He loved the world. God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And so He has compassion upon us. He has compassion upon the world. And His response to that, His, his act of compassion was to love us and give His life for us and to bear our pain and our suffering. And so this is His ministry. He empathizes in a way that none of us can. And so when we think about walking with someone through suffering, we know that this is His ministry first and foremost. Let's look at a couple of passages here. Matthew 11. You'll, you'll be familiar with these. What does Jesus say? He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to all of you. All of you who I, I, I have, a, my heart is for you. Come to me, all you are weary, burdened, suffering, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When someone is going through suffering, it feels like a heavy weight, doesn't it? It's a heaviness. If you walk through it, it's a heaviness. And, 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 and there's, there's, there's fear with it. There's anxiety. There's questions. There's turmoil. There's stress. And you hear you have Jesus, the compassionate Savior, to come to me. And ultimately, I, I want to walk with you through this and give you rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So in First Peter, Peter says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up due time. Cast all your anxieties and your cares on him, because why? Why? Come on, say it out loud. He cares for you. Jesus cares for us. And Peter, this disciple who walked with Jesus through those three years as, as someone that was very close to him. And he's writing this letter, Peter, this was a, this was a, a letter that would be dis, distributed among this kind of a, a, you know, a, a letter that would go from church to church. And, and, and this is one of the things he wanted to do. He, he said, God cares for Jesus cares for you. You just need to know it. I've walked with him. I, I know the guy really well. And he cares for you. Cast your burdens, your anxieties, and cares for him because he cares for you. He's not a loop. He's not far off. He cares for you. And so we see this as a ministry in these two passages that ultimately it's the ministry of Jesus to walk with folks and walk with people through suffering and pain. And so then we get to partner with him in ministering to others. And see, in these passages, we see him walking through suffering with people. And listen to the invitations, come to me. It's a, it's a, it's a phrase in the first one, Matthew 11. It's a phrase of intimacy. It's come, come to me. Walk, let me walk with you. 
Let me love you. Let me reveal to you who I am. Give your life to me. Give your hurts to me. Give your pains to me. Your sorrows to me. Give your grief to me. And again, he knows because of the cross. He said he can say, "I know how you feel." And then when you do this, you will find rest for your souls. And see, the en- enemy wants us to be yoked to the sorrow and yoked to the suffering. And that picture that Jesus gives is, you know, to be yoked with something they would, you know, uh, back in those days, you know, they, that's how they farmed. They would, they would uh, use ox and they would yoke, you know, they would put a yoke between two ox, oxen, probably with my plurals, um, and they would farm and they would pull along and, and one of the things, one of the ways they trained young oxen, young oxen, oxi, um, they would put this young, very strong ox with an older ox who knew the system. And because the tendency for the strong ox was to, you know, he doesn't know the system yet and he can pull and he's, you know, wanting to do his own thing and, and, and they would yoke him with a mature, a very, you know, a, an ox that's been around and although the younger one might be strong, the, the, the older one knows the system and after a while, the young one will fall into line and, 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 and Jesus is using this, he said, you know, take my yoke, be yoked to me, be next to me. Sometimes, you know, you're going to pull and you're going to want to do your own thing and you're going to go over here and you're going to get your eyes on this or that and when you're going through suffering, it's easy to run here and there. He said, be yoked to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk with you through this and I'm going to show you the way. Because ultimately, my burden is life and I don't want you to be dictated by the suffering and the sorrow under years of bitterness or depression. Because again, there is a reality and there's a time to mourn and there's a time of hurt and heartbreak. We can't diminish that, but the enemy wants us to be dictated by it for a long period of time and Jesus is saying, come to me and be yoked to him and not your sorrow. And ultimately, again, uh, the first Peter is that he cares for us. So, as we minister to others through suffering, we are joining with Jesus in ministering to them. And what is our job as, as, as ministers of the gospel? It's ultimately to bring them to Him. Because He will bring the ultimate healing and peace to them. And I love one of the things that Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. That's why when we're filled with His Spirit, when we have His Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Comforter and the Counselor. That's two of the, 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 the titles given to the Holy Spirit. And that when we are filled with it, when we're walking in His Spirit, that we bring comfort, not us, but God's Spirit in and through us, to let Him comfort and counsel others. And so this idea of what, what are we told in to do through Scripture? And so we're going to look at a, a couple of passages here of what we're told some of the writings of Paul here in Galatians 6 2. And I'm going to kind of work through these very quickly and then we'll move on to uh, how, how we should walk with others through suffering. Galatians 6 2. Carry each other's burdens. Lift them. Help lift them. And in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. It's the law of Christ, the law of grace, and the law of mercy. And you will carry each other's burdens. That whole idea, and you know the illustration when some one person is trying to pick up a heavy weight, you know, and it's very difficult, but, but all of a sudden, when another person comes or even a third person, it makes the job so much easier. 
Have you ever had those situations where you're trying to move something and you're a little stubborn and you're trying to do it by yourself? Anybody stubborn? Okay. Or someone next to you stubborn? And my wife always tells me, like, when I'm trying to, you know, I'm shifting something, she goes, you might want to get somebody to help you. And that, that just kind of, like, twisted me to try to even harder to do it by myself. Because sometimes I'm just fiercely independent. She's like, you know, you might, you're either going to hurt something or you're going to break something. And inevitably, you know, you tweak a muscle or you, you know, you're turning and you smash and you scratch the wall and, you know, and, and you feel that and, uh, kind of, and, but there is something about, you know, we want to do it and we want to lift this burden, but when somebody's on the other side, it's so much easier, isn't it? And Paul tells us to carry each other's burdens. Be intentional about that. And then in Ephesians 4, to be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humble and gentle. Sometimes we want people to to get over it and be patient with them when they're walking through something. And, uh, and, you know, when you see them struggling maybe through it, and it's easy maybe to get a little irritated with them and, and, and to be spared with one another in love. Boston Street 12, therefore, God's chosen people, holy and dearly love, clothe yourself with what? Compassion. Jesus was filled with compassion and saw people, right? So be filled with His compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience with people as they walk through things. And then Philippians 2, one through four. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any common spirit in His spirit, if any tenderness in conscience, then make my joy complete like, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vanity, rather than humility. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. When somebody is going through something, Look at what is going on in their life and don't just be thinking about yourself, but think about what they might be going through and how you can help lift that burden. So again, when we minister comfort and walk with people through suffering, we're partnering in the ministry of Jesus today. Because all of these encouragements from Paul are, are to us. And basically saying, be like Christ. Be compassionate like Jesus. Be uh, be helpful like Jesus, be mindful like Jesus to others. And so how do we walk with others in suffering? How do we help lift their burdens? And I'm praying, again, this will be encouraging, quipping, and, and very practical for you. And so we're going to look at some ways, and if you're taking notes, um, I'm going to have a couple scriptures in there, but I'm just going to, going to list them. But uh, let's, let's go through this list of how we can walk with others through suffering. So number one, pray for them. Pray for them. And I know that sounds like, you know, oh God, I mean, but really pray for them. Be intentional about praying. Our prayers matter. Philippians 4, 6, Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, my prayer and petition. What is petition? It is where we are saying, it's not like we're informing God because He already knows, but our prayer is coming into agreement and we can specifically we petition Him on, on behalf of people, Lord, you see this person, you see what they're going through, and I pray, God, that you would touch them and minister to them, and you lift them up to heaven. And he says, 
by prayer petition with thanksgiving present your request to God so we can bring our requests to Him. And we can say, God, here's the real situation. And Lord, and again, He's already mindful. We're partnering with Him. We're not, you know, God's not up there with a, a notepad going, really? I didn't know that. And, and he's, you know, he's, he, he, Jesus is on the right hand of the Father, ever interceding for us. And so we're in agreement and relationship with Him. And that's what prayer is. James 5 16 says, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is not our righteousness. It's not how awesome we are. That's not, you know, we see that passage that, you know, the, the prayer of an, you know, the, the, the prayer of a righteous person is effective. It's a person who understands that the righteousness comes from Christ and not themselves. And they say, God, you are righteous, you are good, and I know who you are. And, but those prayers are powerful and effective, we are told. And so God does partner with us, and that's why in this whole process I understand that weaving through this, I've talked about how suffering is a reality, and some people can kind of say, well, you know, whatever will be, will be then, you know, but that we can ask God, we can come to Him, we are told to come to Him and intercede and pray and petition, because it matters. Prayer isn't us bringing God a list of things that we think He should do for us or others. He already knows what we need. It's relationship with Him. It's trusting Him. And I encourage you to pray for those who are suffering. That's why Paul said we don't know how to pray as we offer the Spirit. The Spirit gives us wisdom in our prayers. We pray in the Spirit. We pray according to the Spirit. We pray for strength. We pray for grace. We pray for peace. We pray for comfort. We pray all of this from the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God, you know exactly what they need. But we pray, God, for your grace in the midst of it, your hand in the midst of it. And then ultimately what we're praying is for God's nearness for them. Because He ultimately is what they need so desperately. And it's, you know, you talk to people when when they've gone through something, and, and, I, and I tell you, some of the greatest testimonies I've ever heard was when I was walking through, I felt God's peace. Even when I didn't get it, I, I knew He was there. I felt His strength supernaturally, and all that is a supernatural word. I felt His peace. I should have been stressed. I should have been anxious, but I had His peace. That is the power of the nature of praying for people. So pray for them. Before you say anything to them, before you, you try to intervene, pray for them. Be diligent to pray for them. Number two, be present. So pray for them next. Is be present. This one, be sensitive in this stuff. Um, this is where being connected to the body of Christ is so important. We need our spiritual family in times of darkness. You know, to lift someone's burdens, to lift, to help, to help someone lift something, you need to be near them, right? And so this is where we need our spiritual family in these times. So, it goes without saying, but don't be so present if they aren't comfortable with you. Sometimes, you know, you know, if somebody doesn't know you and you, you, you're, you're trying to intervene, that can be very awkward. And that's why, again, having relational connection with people is so hugely important. The body of Christ or 
your network of, of people that God has placed around you at work, your neighbors, you know, people that God has brought into your life. So maybe it's not just the, the body plus, maybe it's not just the family of God, but your network, because God has placed you where you are for a purpose, and He wants you to make the most of every opportunity. And that's why when you see a neighbor, a friend going through something, you know, you can be present in those situations, but be sensitive. If someone's not comfortable that, you know, well, I'm on this one with God, so I'm going to force my way into their lives. Yeah, that's not the right answer. Be very sensitive to that. Relationships are so important. Tim and Allie shared their story, remember, uh, week one about losing their little girl. And they talked about, you know, one of the questions I wanted to ask them was, what was helpful? What was helpful for you? And they said, you know, and they talked about Darren and April being present. They said, you know, Tim said, you know, Darren would just sit, he's sitting over there in the corner of the room in a chair. He didn't even say anything, but it, just him being there, him being present was so helpful. Just knowing that he was there. Relational presence means that you don't have to say anything. You're just glad that you're there. Uh, words, especially when somebody's right in the middle of it, words usually don't help. Now, again, if you have a strong relationship with someone, you know, and they're and you're discerning something, and you're able to maybe say something encouraging, but usually words are not going to help. Them, so don't try. To use words to be present. Even spiritual, biblical words and encouragement are not helpful. It will matter at some point, but right now it may not happen. If you remember the movie that we watched about suffering, Acts of God. And that pastor said that in the movie. He said, you know, that, that even giving, you know, scripture or whatever, he said, it's truth. And we know it's where we place the heart. And it may not be helpful now, but it will be helpful at some point. But that's where we walk in the Spirit. To be present, we walk in the Spirit. We were told in Galatians, Paul says, walk in the Spirit. Walk next to the Spirit. So that way we can discern and we can be sensitive. Holy Spirit, give me your wisdom as I'm walking into this. As I'm stepping into a very difficult situation, help me to walk in your spirit and to be discerning. And ultimately, again, we're praying for the Holy Spirit to be alive in us that when we walk in, we don't have to say anything. His presence has come in with us. And His peace and His comfort has, has come in. And that's what they said about there. And they said it was just a comfort that He was there. And it was the Spirit of God in Him. And that's what we, again, we're praying in these situations. A lot of you, you, you know what that's like when you've walked with someone and you've gone into those situations. As a pastor, I've seen it a lot where you're going into a situation where someone, you know, someone has died or someone's going through a lot. Or yeah, several times I've walked in a situation where, you know, you're with a family when they're getting the news from the doctor that there's this diagnosis that is horrible. And I tell you, on when I'm driving there, I am praying, Holy Spirit, come and you know, bring grace and bring peace. I don't want to have to come in there and say, okay, the pastor's here, now I'm going to give you a five-point sermon on why not to be sad. Um, it's not helpful. The Holy Spirit, help me, give me strength as I walk in there that you'll know what needs to be said, if anything at all. And so be walking in the Spirit. That's where, that's where again, the Lord wants intimate relationship with us that we're walking with Him. 
praying again for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to be at work in you and through you. Uh, pray for His presence that He will counsel and comfort them. Right? That as you're in there, the Holy Spirit, you counsel and comfort. That's what you do best. Pray for the supernatural grace and peace in the whole. The story of Job, you know, is, is, is a really hard book to read. Because it has so many gut-wrenching realities to it. And a lot of people steer clear, but it is a great story in, in, in suffering. How to walk through suffering. One of the hardest things is that God allows some things to happen to Job, and a lot of people have a struggle with that, but God's sovereignty that He doesn't cause it, but He allows things in our lives, and He allows it again for His grace and His glory. That was why, you know, that, that pastor I told about, that Pastor Greg Rollinger, he said, I know God didn't cause it, but it came through His hands, so I'm stewarding it like a gift. And He says, There is. There is, there is purpose to the struggle. There is purpose to the suffering. And he's seen people be touched by what God is doing in and through him, although the diagnosis is not good for him. But he said, I steward this as a gift. And I'm not going to dive into the book of Job. You know Job. I mean, he loses everything. And, uh, and, and he loses his family. He loses his wealth. That was the first kind of thing that, that, uh, that the enemy did to him. And then... The enemy comes and causes bodily infliction. He gets stores and he boils all over his body. And he's sitting there and he's grieved. He's lost his children. I mean, he, he, this is a man who has lost much. And then you have this whole dynamic where his three friends show up. Friends in quotation marks. They see him and their first encounter with him actually is very godly. It says they sit with him for seven days without saying a word. Joe could have been a way shorter book if they wouldn't have opened their mouths. Because then it became, it starts in this trying to figure it out. Trying to, well, Joe, there's got to be a finish, there's got to be this, and there's got to be that. And, it, and, and they'll say something, and he says something, and this book goes on and on. And some of it sounds kind of godly, what they're saying, but it. At the end, we find out that it wasn't godly at all. It wasn't helpful at all. And that's why they're looking for this cause. They're looking for a surely joke. Something happened here, and, and they're putting all their spins and twists. You, you know, there's something here. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a sin thing. Maybe it's this and that. And Job, being a righteous man, again, he wasn't a perfect man. You know, he's wrestling through all this, and he has questions for God, and he's struggling but the holiest thing that those guys did was sit silent for seven days, and then the most unholy thing they did was begin to open their mouths and try to help them figure it out, and then begin to accuse them of all kinds of things. They pray more of not enough faith, the sin in your life. Don't say those things. Because ultimately, God he has some stern words for them at the very end. But that be a guard. But it was very gracious for them to sit with him and spend us be present with people when they are going through it. Number three, say a huge one. Don't try and fix it. Men, don't try and fix it. 
Men are fixers by nature. Got a problem? We want to fix it. It's a good. I can step off to the side and do a little marriage thing right now. Um, sometimes wives just want to talk to you. They want you to fix it. And guys are like, Oh, it's killing me. I can do something. Don't try and fix it. We so bad. And, and again, when you're walking in compassion, and, and I get this, when we, you know, when you have the compassion of the Lord, we, we, we want to alleviate people's suffering by doing something or saying something that will try and fix it. That's where we get in trouble. I think you see Job's friends and trying to help fix it. You know, you this happened because of you. And that's where we again trying to find that cause and effect. Because here's the thing, we can't fix it, but we do serve the one who can. We're trusting the one who can. Sometimes we feel uncomfortable and think we have to do something, right? The uncomfortable silence. And I, you know, and if you've ever been around people that they, uncomfortable silence, they can't do it. They have to say something. And usually it's not very productive. Uncomfortable silence is okay when you're walking with someone that is going through something so difficult. Uncomfortable silence, sometimes it, it, it's okay. But don't try to fix it because what can happen is we begin to say insensitive things. Don't say insensitive things. When someone's right in the middle of suffering, use wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Use caution. Use grace. If you say something or if you talk to them, it isn't the time to say, I know how you feel, especially if you don't really know how they feel. It's not the time to say, Well, you know, God's still good. It's okay for them to have come to that revelation. It's not the time for you to say that. God's still good. Or, I'm so sorry, but you know, God still has a plan. I know that sounds right and it sounds gracious. It's not the time to say it. God's still in control. Don't say that. A lot of times they know that. They know that God is still good. They're wrestling with it. They know that God still has a plan. They understand that. They understand that God is in control. I mean, they're wrestling with it. They don't need those words at that moment. Don't say God is going to work this out for your good. You just wait and see. Don't say that. Helpful in the moment. Do not say, just give it some time and it'll all get better. Again, those sound like gracious things, and if you are wincing right now because you've said those things, I understand. I've been here, I've said those things. Guard your heart. At the moment, also don't compare your situation. You know, I know you guys are going, you know, through a lot of stuff right now, and I know this is hard. You know, two weeks ago I went through this. It's not the time to do that. It's not the time. Also, don't make it about you. I'm just getting, I'm shooting real here because I've been there. I understand that I'm guilty of some of these things. Don't make it about you, where we over-spiritualize the situation. Kind of like that unspoken, I have a gift to lift burdens, and I'm here for you right now. Burden lifter, right in the room if you need me. 
We make it about us or our gifting. I've been trained in trauma and suffering ministry. I'm here. We're making it about us. I have a word for you. Don't have a word for them right now. God may give you a word for them, but that may not be the time. Again, that's the Son of the Holy Spirit. You know the time for this word. You know the time for this. And allow God to open the opportunity. That's where we, again, walking in the Spirit is so important. Don't put yourself on display, but let Jesus shine through you. We looked at Philippians, you know, 2, verse, verse 3, says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or bankruptcy, rather in humility. Value others above yourself. When we go into situations that we're making it about us or gifting, um, how awesome we might be in a situation, that is not the time. It's the ministry of Christ. Do nothing out of vain deceit. Come in humility. Be about the interest of what they're going through. It's the time to say simple, loving, gracious things. I am so sorry. There are no words. There are no words for what you're going through. I'm so sorry. Please know that we are praying. Just something simple, loving, and gracious like that in your life. So be, don't try and fix it. Be very sensitive. Number four, be practical. Be practical. Do you know practical is very spiritual? Take initiative to do loving deeds for those who are suffering. Plan meals for them. Don't ask, and you heard Allie say that, don't ask, hey, do you need anything? Most of the time people will say no. But you can say, we are going to coordinate meals for you. And now, if, they don't, if, they're, if they're inundated with food already, they'll say, no, we've got tons of food. We really don't need it. We're coordinating meals for you, you know, on these dates. And, uh, and, and, and that, and you just, you begin to, they can't think about those kind of things right now. And so it's just, when somebody's assertive and taking initiative, that we're going to do this for you. Tell them you're putting it together. If there's something already been coordinated, sign up for it. Bring a meal. Offer to do something that you know they might need. Be purposeful. Do purposeful acts. Mow their lawn. Rake their lawn. You know, just go out there and start doing it. Double their sidewalk when it's snowing. Uh, give them some rest on some of that day-to-day stuff where you know that they've gone through it. Again, you're not trying to find something to say. You just walk out there and you just do it. And be a blessing. In, 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 with this, don't drop off a book or a CD or a DVD. Not yet, anyway. There might be something that you came across that is a powerful testimony teaching. Again, that goes in with trying not to fix it. They don't need a book at this time. Now, there might come a time, again, if you give it some time where they're talking to you in a relationship and, and, and then God allows that and you go, man, I, I came across it's a very powerful testimony of somebody that has gone through something that you don't that's the time to do it. But be sensitive. Don't, you know, knock on their door and say, here, this is a great DVD. That they, they might throw it in the trash at that point. They're just ready to hear it. But again, relational, being relational, having that relational connection. 
but do something practical. Send them money in the mail or a gift card to a restaurant. It just gives them money. Right? They don't have to think about preparing something. Also, be sensitive. Somebody has lost a loved one. I've seen this, especially. I've, I've, I've seen this in our own lives. Um, you know, when my mother-in-law passed away, but I've seen it as a pastor. When somebody dies, all the family's in, and for that first few days, they probably don't need much. But keep your eyes out for that two, three weeks, one month later. You know what I'm saying? That's the time to be very sensitive, to be very mindful. Then all of a sudden, all the family is gone. And they're kind of alone. And now they're wrestling. That's the time to just maybe send them a gift card or, or some money. Be practical. Uh, be available when they are ready to talk. Again, the relational connection is so important that you just allow, allow you, you know, you said, that's one of the other sensitive things is I'm here if you need me, if you need to talk, I'm here. Just, you just need to know that. And then be ready to do that when they're ready to sit down and talk. So be practical. It's a very spiritual, and it is works of compassion. Number five, be a wounded healer. This ties into last week. If you've gone through something here, if you've walked through something, your suffering isn't wasted. God wants to redeem your suffering. So be a wounded healer. Be on mission with Christ when you have walked through something. He wants to give you your story and let your story be a light to someone else. Again, that is where if you have lost someone and you understand that, then they see you, and if they know your story, I tell you right now, they, there's a way more of a value to see you coming towards them and saying, we're here for you, we're praying for you, because they see what you have walked through. In Christ, nothing is wasted. He wants to make us wounded healers. You know, when the time is right, and sometimes it's a divine appointment, reaching towards someone that is suffering in a way that you have suffered. They will listen. When you walk through something, again, God gives you an authority to be able to speak. Again, not about yourself, but ultimately to testify God's grace, peace, and hope that you have pointing them to Christ. Pointing them to Christ. When others see your scars and yet they see your hope, they want to hear your story. It is one of the greatest, great testimonies of Jesus and what he did for us. He's the ultimate wounded healer. The king of kings who became the suffering servant. The humble king who bore our pains and our sorrows and our grief. I'm going to close with this, but after his resurrection, there was an interesting encounter that happened. Jesus has revealed, he, he's risen from the dead, he reveals himself to his disciples, and Thomas is not there the first time. And so they're testifying, and they're saying, he, he's alive. We've seen him. And Thomas says, I won't believe it unless I see it, right? And so we have his testimony in this record. And I want to go to this passage from John 20. I want to look at something, how this unfolds. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus. Have you ever wondered? Didymus, that means twin. So, 
because he had a twin brother or something, a twin sister. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Verse 26. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Boom, he's just in the room. Wait, peace be with you. And I love it because he knows the situation of Thomas the week before. And he says to Thomas, Come here, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand, put it on my side, stop doubting and believe. And then Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Interesting that Jesus in his glorified state still had scars. You ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered why? Because in the Bible, one day it says that we will have new bodies when we get to heaven. We will have glorified bodies. That we will have no pain, no suffering, no scars. So why does Jesus have scars? And they're seeing him in his glorified risen state. I think ultimately it's to point us to the reality of who he is and what he has done. To re- always be a reminder when we see Him and when we die and we go from this life to the next and we belong to Christ, we will see Him face to face. And if you can believe that and you can be convinced of it again, understand that this life is not all there is. And when you close your eyes in death, you will wake up into a reality that is a greater reality than this reality. And when you belong to Jesus, you will see Him face to face. And he will embrace you and he will say, well done, when you belong to him. And on his hands will be scars, on his side will be a scar. And it will bring us to tears and we'll say, you are who you said you were. You bore my pain and my suffering. You bore it all. So it's the point of the reality of who he is. Thomas is a lot like us. We have doubts and we have questions, don't we? Especially when you're walking through something. God, I need to see you. Unless I can see something, that I guess is difficult. And Jesus can say to us, if he says, don't believe. Let Thomas' testimony speak to us. And Jesus said, don't doubt, just believe. There was a story told of a little boy who was an orphan and he was being raised by his grandmother. And so there was a horrible fire in their apartment building and he was trapped and his grandmother trying to help she died in the midst of that trying to help him and so he's up there and he is crying for help and they're trying to figure out how to get up there and help him and all of a sudden out of the crowd this man runs up and he climbs up the side of the wall and he's putting his hands on these pipes that are absolutely burning with fire and he climbs up this pipe and he goes into this window, grabs the boy and he shimmies back down that pipe and he gives the boy to the rescue people and he walks away. So this boy is all alone and, and, and as the story goes, some time later they're trying to figure out what to do with this boy and who would take this orphan boy 
into the home and they had a hearing and several people stood up and said that, you know, we, we'll do it. They, they, they was, there was one, one man who was a teacher and said that I will, my wife and I will take him in on the teacher and I can teach him things and, um, and we will, you know, take him into our home. Another one was a construction worker and said I can teach this boy a trade and, and I can teach him how to do things and, and, uh, and, and so we will take him in. And another man was very wealthy and he said I can give this boy all the world has to offer. We're very, very wealthy. And about that time, there was a stranger that walked in and walked to the front of the courtroom and he lifted his sleeves and he revealed to the gasp of the crowd's horribly scarred hands that had been severely burned. The boy gasps, recognizes the man and throws his arms around him in tears recognizing this is the man that rescued him. This is the man that saved his life. Because more than what the teacher could offer, more than what the construction worker could offer, more than the money that the rich man had to offer, the scars spoke more than what these men could do if someone had done it. And the scars spoke and testified to the man who had saved his life, and I think that points to Jesus, where you have the only man-made thing in heaven will be the scars in his hands, the scars that he bore on his head, and then he, when he went into heaven and he offered his blood upon the altar, and he said, Father, I paid for them. I love them, and you sent me. The mission is accomplished. It is finished, and I paid for them. And here's the scars to prove it. Here is the, the, the very definition of my love. Here is the, the, the length and the height and the width of my love for them. Here are the scars to prove it. Thomas's testimony is in common with Jesus. It's a message to us. that Jesus bears those scars because he said, I did bear your pain, I did bear your sin and your sorrow and your suffering. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement that was upon him brought us peace and with his stripes he was healed. He did it for us. And in the moment, that moment bore our pain and our suffering. It goes back to the passage that I began with that He loves us and He cares for us. And He has the scars to prove it. And I believe once we get that revelation of who He really is and what He has done, we will fall on our face like Thomas, we will humble our heart and remember what Thomas said My Lord and my God, you are who you said you are. And we humble ourselves before Him. We say, Jesus, You are Lord. You are God. You did this out of love, not for religious sake, not to make me just try to be better, but You did it because You love me to save my soul and to give me hope. You know me. You love me. And now I will give You my life. That's the reality of Christ to us in His suffering. And so as you walk with others, Pray for them. Pray for them. Point them to Christ in your prayers. Be present.
don't try and fix it, be practical, and be a wounded healer, and ultimately, may we all be pointed to Jesus Christ. We stand for We pray with the God, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, thank you for the, the, the truth of eternity, the reality of eternity. And just like the story of that little boy, Lord, who was in a burning building, you, you came on a rescue mission and you came and laid down your life so that we would have the bridge to life through the cross. God, thank you so much that you stepped into our reality, that you bore our sin, you bore our suffering, you bore our suffering. And I pray, God, that today, that as we walk with others, Lord, people in, in our communities, we both neighbors and uh, friends and uh, people that are in the body of Christ, God, that we would be ministers of compulsion. And today, before we close, I just want to um, want to pray for you. Whoever's here and you are you are suffering in some way. And, and you know what that is. And, um, I don't need to give a long list, but you just today that you are in the midst of some sorrow and some suffering. I'd just like for you to just raise your hand and I want to pray for you. I'm just going to believe God for His grace and peace and we're going to believe God for His strength. So you raise those hands. God, right now, you see Lord, these that have their hands. God, thank you for Thank you, Lord, that they are precious to you. Lord, that today they would, in a new way, be able to know how to cast their cares upon you, Lord, because you care for them, because you love them. And Lord, we agree, Lord God, as, as the church, the, the ones who belong to you, God, we are praying for the Holy Spirit's power, the Holy Spirit's grace, strength, peace, and hope. Lord, that you would be near them in a very real way today, this week, that your grace would be sufficient for them. So, God, we are asking for the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit for each life today. Lord, as we go from here today, God, may we carry your presence with us. May we walk in the Spirit and make the most of every opportunity that we've been given. For it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day. Have an awesome week. See you next week for new. Invite somebody.